Welcome to Nakubo in Brief, a podcast series from the National Association of College and University Business Officers. I'm President and CEO Susan Wheeler Johnston, and I'd like to thank you for tuning in today. Our mission with this podcast is to help our listeners better understand the challenges that face the business of higher education. Our hope is that you walk away with a stronger sense of the trends, policies, legislative and regulatory issues that may impact campuses today and in the future. You can find resources for today's episode, as well as a wide variety of educational tools at nakubo.org. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Hello, and welcome to this edition of Nakubo in Brief. I'm Liz Clark, Vice President for Policy and Research at Nakubo. I am so delighted today to be joined by Derek Freitag. Derek is a strategic account executive for Scenario, a financial modeling platform that helps finance leaders with their long-range planning and strategic decision-making. Derek, welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me. We are um, delighted to speak with you. We've spoken with folks from Scenario in the past here on this podcast, but I think the COVID-19 pandemic certainly gives us uh, some additional context to explore and uh, talk about financial modeling here and Mm -hmm. uh, um, where we go from here. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about uh, what we've learned in the pandemic and how financial and strategic projections can be updated. You know, as we prepare to roll into that, if you wouldn't mind, can you tell me just a little bit more about Scenario? Sure. Um, So Scenario is a financial modeling platform um, that gives uh, financial leaders the ability to uh, build, analyze, and present models in a much easier way than ever before. Um, Traditionally, most, most institutions have used Excel as a way to do their planning and their projections and scenario was designed uh, to just make that process easier um, due to the limitations and risks associated with Excel as a, as a tool for planning and projections. You know, I've met many, many business officers over my years here in Nakubo. And uh, one of the things that's impressed me most about what I've seen in scenario is that it it speaks to people like me. I am not an Excel jockey. I am not someone who could be handed a, an Excel file and be entertained for hours and hours. And I've met many business officers who say, I love a good spreadsheet. Give me a good spreadsheet and I can pull 10 stories out of it for you. But um, scenario helps them speak to people like me who don't see those stories in those spreadsheets. Yeah, it's a really uh, interesting and neat way to um, tell a financial narrative to an audience that potentially may not have the, and then I'm the same way, the financial acumen that, you know, the finance, the traditional finance leaders have. And, and typically our clients' boards um, and other stakeholders aren't necessarily finance professionals. So you still need to be able to create that that narrative around, hey, what are the impacts of the decisions that we're making as uh, a leadership group to our to our institution? What are what are those impacts um, prospectively? Um, and scenario is a, is a really great great way to to tell that story in a way that's palatable for 
for uh, a variety of different audiences. Indeed, the infographics are what what speaks to me and I think really speaks to people who don't carry those business and finance roles, but still have a strategic and important role with institutions. Absolutely. Um, so uh, I, I guess let, let's just start with that top line question. If you were to think about some things institutions have learned and what they need to do to, to update their projections Given our experience of the past many months now, what, what are some of your top line observations? That question can go in a variety of ways, but I, th- I think we've we've learned a lot, especially because we haven't experienced anything like this before. Um, you know, schools have been forced to think about their planning and their forecasting in, in a more sophisticated way, and you know, and in the industry as a whole. Um, and this is a generalization here, but there was somewhat of a, a you know laissez faire type attitude towards planning. And, and, you know, this event has, for lack of a better term, been, been a wake up call to leadership to really start thinking about, you know, what the financial outcomes are of, of the, the potential decisions they, they might be making. So, um, really, I think more than anything else, we've learned that this has really brought to the forefront scenario planning and understanding the what ifs. And, you know, there's some real, uh, intended and unintended consequences around the decisions that that leadership at institutions are making, and you know they've been pining for a tool that gives them the ability to see what those outcomes are um, in a, in a dynamic way. And just to, to go a little bit further, each school is gonna is going to look at things a little bit differently. For example, some of our um, our tuition dependent schools with you know, maybe particularly small endowments, they might have the luxury of looking at a five to 10 year time horizon from a planning perspective. You know, they might have to look at the the short term here and now and run some analysis to make some adjustments on their expense out of the business to offset maybe some of the, the declines in the revenues, whether that be in auxiliaries or, or tuition revenues for that matter. So once they get a, get a good plan around stabilization in place, they might switch to the long-term outlook. Um, on the other hand, large publics or maybe some well-endowed institutions have looked at this maybe a little bit, um, a little bit differently, almost opportunistic in a sense. You know, due to the interest rates being so low, some of them use this as an opportunity to move, you know, maybe move up a capital project plan to take advantage of borrowing at a lower rate and really uh, looking at it as an opportunistic uh, event for them to to push ahead their strategic initiative. So it's really been interesting to see how this this whole thing has has changed the way that schools are looking at their planning and forecasting uh, processes. Derek, you mentioned scenario planning, and I have to say that over the past um, year plus, I've heard scenario planning more than I think I've ever heard it in my time at Nakubo, both for fiscal year 2021, when we were really uncertain where the pandemic was headed, as well as for FY22, which hasn't even started yet, but colleges and universities needed to be putting their budgets together and have them approved by their boards or governance bodies. And there are still a lot of outstanding questions about FY22. And you gave some great examples of the different levers that schools need to be looking at. So I I guess as we look into the future and continue to look into the future, and hopefully the end of the pandemic is in sight, that herd immunity may be approaching, if if, uh, again, with any luck. 
But uh, what are some of the timelines or pain points or other areas to focus on that, that schools and should be thinking about as they, as they mo- continue to model their futures? One of the main things that typically come up with our clients and through our conversations is around you know, learning models, whether that's, I think this whole, uh, the pandemic has changed the way institutions have thought about the delivery of their education um, and the vehicles in which they do so. Um, that being, you know, online, a face-to-face or, or a hybrid model. So online is not only being um, treated as a reactive strategy to a situation like a pandemic, but schools are now looking at this as a potential long-term strategy as more and more students and, um, and incoming freshmen are, and, and students as a whole, they're now considering online as a method to get their education more so now than ever. Um, so they're looking at this as a long-term strategy. Um, they're asking questions like, do we have the infrastructure built uh, in order to service an online an online student body? And which in, in turn changes their enrollment strategy, right? Are they able to capture more students that are interested in an online model, you know, based on the public health climate and then the changes in the demographics like the enrollment cliff are they able to capture and bring in more students that that are non-traditional to their uh, to their recruitment efforts? Um, so I think that those th- the learning models are really changing the way that that uh, schools are thinking about it. Um, you know, they have to think about how is that going to impact auxiliary revenues, primarily in housing and dining, um, and and these are the, the types of things that schools are, are thinking about when considering um, they have the models that they would like to employ. This is an area with a lot of uncertainty, a lot of opportunity as well. Uh, When you think about telehealth and telemedicine, there were a lot of folks before the pandemic who would think, no way, no, how do I want to see my doctor over a video chat on a computer? And then having been forced to, a lot of people see the benefits of having that option available to them. So minds have changed about what can and can't be done online. And college students, I think, are expressing the same thing to their institutions. And schools will face all of the questions that you just raised, I think, even more. Um, Will students uh, want to see changes in pricing structures if their mode of delivery has changed. And uh, uh, I think that's an issue with some real question for a number of institutions. You also have to be able to have a, uh, a tool that gives you the ability to test the, the bounds of what those things mean, right? And what are the financial impacts of those, of those potential scenarios to help you make the decision? A lot of times these conversations happen in air but not really have the, um, you know, the full field view of what it really means to the to the uh, to the institution on you know both on the short and the long term as it relates to the financial impact. So with online class, you mentioned auxiliary revenue. Do you see any schools taking a deeper look at the implications of capital spending for on-campus building infrastructure? Uh, what kind of Changes in strategies and finances are you seeing uh, in your work with institutions? Again, it, it caused schools to take a very hard look at their capital plan and um, the different permutations around the sources and uses. Again, as I mentioned before, due to the, the market conditions and the interest rates being so low, schools are really asking themselves, should we go to market for debt or wait based on the decreasing 
revenues, right? So they're, they're looking at the different levers and the different scenarios on the operating side and then trying to formulate on the capital side. What are, what are the impacts on the operating that are influencing the capital? So we're seeing some schools that are, that are moving up in their schedules to start their projects and some in, in a lot of cases are waiting because they're not sure what's going to happen. Um, so they're, they're pushing their projects out. Um, but, um, scenario gives them the, the opportunity to really understand, uh, moving the projects in time and what those impacts are across the full set of financials or the, or the operating budget out into the future. And, and primarily with capital ratios are, are the biggest, the biggest component that's impacted. Um, so you're seeing a, a variety of different options there from a capital standpoint. Any one of those factors can have an, an outsized influence on on the future. I know that when we were speaking with schools early in 2020, there was, of course, very significant concern, uh, uh, particularly about auxiliary revenue. And at the end of the calendar year, looking back for some, not all institutions, not every institution shares the same story. Some schools found some benefit in the fact that uh, not having in students on campus really uh, helped them deal with the revenue shop shortfall from the auxiliary operation. So uh, the projected loss was perhaps not as bad as they uh, expected it to be because it turns out the most expensive part of running a campus is actually running the campus. Uh, I, I think another factor as well is the interest rate factor that you mentioned. There was a lot of doom and gloom early in 2020, but uh, it turned out that interest rates were really working in favor of institutions on a on a couple of fronts, both with financing capital projects, but um, with the stock market performance, I think that some institutions saw a little better success with gifts to the institution than they had anticipated for 2020 because of the pandemic as well. So uh, again, um, multiple factors creating a very layered experience for institutions here. Yeah. And the, the other thing to consider there is new funds from things like the American Rescue Plan and how schools are going to be utilizing those, those funds, whether that be on the capital side or in the, the operating side. Um, there's been some injection of cash and, and schools are really having to decide where they should spend and how they should spend it um, in a very unique situation. Yeah, that reminds me, Derek, I'm wondering to what extent you, know, you have experience looking at the impact of the pandemic relief aid that came from the Department of Education to institutions. Uh, how did that impact some of the work that you do with schools with Scenario? They're running um, some analysis on, on you know, where to utilize those funds. Are we focusing on the short term or are we focusing on spending dollars on programs that could yield um, lasting dividends. So spending on technology could mean upgrading the servers or learning management system or to capture more online presence in schools in the future. Spending on personnel, you know, could mean additional programming that benefits the the institution in the long run. So things like that, thinking beyond just the, the immediate term of, you know, potentially paying for a capital project, for instance. So think about how that investment is going to yield dividends down the, down the line. I'm thinking into the future here, and we certainly don't want to predict that 
additional disasters are coming our way, but I think we need to. Can you talk a little bit about overarching strategies behind building models that can withstand unforeseeable events? How, how do you go about planning for a disaster that hasn't happened yet? The modeling and, and scenario creation is, is all about understanding the impacts of something that hasn't happened yet, like you mentioned. So it it's pretty unique. So, so testing the bounds of, of your assumptions is, um, is critical to understand how your institution can withstand the various stresses that you're considering. Um, you know, in the past, most schools were doing a very basic expected, uh, worst and best case scenarios, which were predominantly based on operating assumptions. So, you know, the, the expenses and the revenues associated, um, to the particular institution. Um, with the pandemic, undoubtedly there'll be a pandemic scenario that, that, that folks are running just to, to, to prepare. You know, so I think this, this experience has shown that in, in higher education, that, that planning is a critical component to solvency and, and financial success of an institution. It's just, um, getting creative in testing the bounds of those assumptions. It's hard to prepare for something that has never happened yet. So all you can do is use your previous experience and the pandemic is a great example of next time this happens, they will be more prepared for, for that, that, that circumstance. But scenario planning is all about preparing for things that haven't happened yet. I think that scenario planning really enables financial officers to push the boundaries of their imagination. And the pandemic has proven just how important that is. Absolutely. Derek, is there anything else you'd like to add? Anything I haven't asked about? No, I think that's all I had. Thanks again for, for having me. This was great. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us for this edition of Nakubo and Brief. My pleasure. 